Hello, welcome. It's Monday, and Jen and I are excited to be talking about the things that the culture says to us and how we feel like it can be stifling and overwhelming and where we can find encouragement in our community and in the Bible. We're glad you're here. We've been starting each episode with creatives that's kind of stood out to us, whether it's on social media or podcasts or books that we've been reading. And the, the people that stood out to me this week were graphic designers. I feel like yeah, that's a... They're so great. They are great. They I'm make everything that, so more, I have a huge appreciation yeah, for people that can do it. They make things beautiful and they make yep. things as aesthetically beautiful. Yes. But they just they grab your attention with the way that they design. So the people that stood out to me this week were designed by Ruben. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll put his handle up for you there. Stefan Cruz, who is out of Europe and Christian, who is 1924 U.S., all of these men stood out to me this week in particular just as encouragers. Hmm. Um, they're people and men of integrity who use their craft to storytell their lives and look to encourage the people who follow them. All of them weave either poignant phrases that God has laid on their heart or scripture or imagery that they're trying to weave into graphic design, yeah. and they just look to encourage. Like Every it. single one of their feeds is encouraging, and you would... Be remiss if you didn't follow them. Yeah. So we'll put their handles up so everybody can see. Perfect. Well, let's get yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. Hello, hello, hello. I gotta stop <laughs> <Welcome>. saying hello. <laughs> the testing time is over. <laughs> we got new microphones, so we're trying to do this a little bit differently. Right. So so hopefully you guys are like, whoa, you sound amazing this week. <laughs> hopefully, fingers <laughs> freaking crossed. Whatever. Okay, so today we're talking about you've heard it said. Which really isn't, you've heard it said. It kind of is. No. I think I got like all swept up in, you know, Jesus talking about like, you've heard it said. Yeah. And I say, and then I started thinking about like, well, what have I heard said? And then I just kind of had all these other thoughts. So. I like that. I'm trying to completely riff on Jesus, but we are stealing a little bit of it. I like that. So what does that mean? And why do you think we should discuss it? I feel like this is a really good conversation because this is getting a little bit at the heartbeat of the Recreating Culture podcast, talking about culture. The funny thing about culture is that you don't always see or know exactly what the culture around you is saying because it's all you ever heard. And so I had to really take a minute, and Jen and I have had this conversation about the things that we feel like people are saying that we want to push against or respond to. But it's like a fish that doesn't know he's swimming in water until you take him out of the pond, except for we don't live in a picturesque pond. We live in a raging river. Mm. One that sweeps us, all of our good intentions, our beliefs, our thoughts downstream with no regard. One that's loud with social, economical, and spiritual demands. So unless we're willing to push against the current, lift our heads, take a look around, we'll just continue to be swept away in the culture. I love that because I feel like we talked about a little bit earlier about the idea of lifting up your head and looking around. I feel like we just get caught up in mm-hmm. doing that we don't really pause for the why and we don't really pause for what do I really think about that or what should I really be doing with that so I think that's perfect I think that's really really clear I think that illustration is helpful for me to when I picture like just being in a lazy river or just being swept downstream in a raging current Mm -hmm. like you don't know sometimes you're just trying to like not die (laughs) (laughs) that's so true please don't let me fall in my inner tube that's so true that's true but I feel like there's a couple there's a whole bunch of um Stuff that we've written out that kind of jumped out at us. Of, yep. You've heard it said. So the first one is what? So the first thing as far as like in this conversation of business and community and stuff, 
I feel like I hear all the time. Align yourself with people who can give you something. That's so true. Which is kind of greedy when you think about it. Like, it's very, like you said earlier, it's consumerism. It's very, I'm going to take what I'm going to take and I'm going to get me some kind Mm -hmm. of an idea. And that's not, that just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, I I have a really hard time with exploiting people, Mm -hmm. I guess. And I feel like some of that's birthed out of that. It's very much that verse in the Bible of where, where the rich man comes in and you say, you sit here, you mm-hmm. you have the better chair. And you look at the person who doesn't have the fancy rings and the fancy everything. Mm-hmm. And no, you sit over there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not the right mindset to have. It's a very taking men- mentality and it's very greedy. Like I said, yeah. like it feels like you're just out for number one. And that's it. Totally. Yeah. It's just a reiteration. But some, sometimes when you hear it in the scope of like branding and business, it mm-hmm. feels like, oh, well, I can... I can get away with thinking that or believing that because it's for the business. It's not really for me. But if you kind of are your business. And it's kind of kind of culture too, because like, I'm even thinking of, like you just said, the branding in different businesses, you want to work with people who are good at their craft. You want to work with people and align yourself with people that are going to teach you things that are good for you. But there's a difference between taking and apprenticing. I think Mm -hmm. like the idea of I'm going to align myself underneath them Mm -hmm. because I value them because I want to be mentored by them because I think there's wisdom in what they have to say versus I'm just going to take. Right. I don't know. There's a mind shift in my head. Yeah. I think it's good to work with people who are good at their craft and good at that. But totally there's a, there's a balance. I feel like of, consumerism versus yeah if you have like a professional almost relationship with somebody who's further down the road or has wisdom that you want to gain and you align yourself under them for the sake of gaining their wisdom Mm -hmm. obviously that's not sinful or wrong Mm -mm. but when it's what can you give me i'm not really interested in your well-being or your betterment you know in a relational sense it feels very high school it feels very i want to hang with the popular girls oh it's for sure and i'm gonna be seen on instagram with these popular girls so that i look cooler than i am yeah instead of valuing the person that you're spending time with Mm -hmm. i I totally agree Mm -hmm. the next one is your face is your business I love loud with that one because it's so like blah. Yeah, yeah. You hear it all the time, especially in our industry. I don't know if you hear it in other people's industries, but like, I just, yeah, your face is your business. Yep. Tim Keller in Every Good Endeavor, I was reading mm-hmm. through that book again, and he said this, one of the reasons work is both fruitless and pointless is the powerful inclination of the human heart to make work the basis of one's meaning and identity. When this happens, work is no longer a way to create and bring out the wonders of the created order or to be an instrument in serving the basic needs of our neighbor. Instead, it becomes a way to distinguish myself from my neighbor, to show the world and prove to myself that I'm special. It is a way to accumulate power and security and exercise control over my destiny. Again, it's just a mind shift in my head. I mean, that's the end of the quote, but... Am I, am I looking to serve others? Am I looking to love my neighbor as myself? Am I looking to use whatever God has put in my hands to be an instrument? Or am I looking away to say, hey, look at me, I'm awesome. Like, right. there's a definite heart check yep. needing to happen with that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't have anything to add because I think that's great. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, and I went on because I know we've quoted her before, oh, yeah. but um, Hannah Brencher... I have posted it in our Instagram before, but she said this, I'll say it, but it goes with kind of Esther and, and the story of Esther because I went back to her too. But Hannah Brencher said, it's hard in the world we live in not to want to make for a name for yourself. Everyone is telling you you need to have a Twitter account, that you need to have a personal brand, that you need to have a blog. God can use those things to allow us to be a vessel for him, but we can get so swept up in the name game that we forget why we should be creating to make much of him. 
And so in Esther, I was thinking of, I like the story of Esther and and Mordecai. And Esther used her platform. Like she could have died Mm -hmm. several times. She's married to this king. She's a Jew who's married to this king. And she has this burden that she needs to be a voice for her people and to protect her people. And as a queen to a king, he could have very easily have not liked what she had had to say and killed mm-hmm. her and executed her. Yep. And so we either, I wrote this in regards to Esther 4.14, we either get our name from God, from what God has done for us and in us, or we make a name through what we do for ourselves. Our pride and our need for personal significance usually leads to competition, disunity, and strife, making unity and love between people almost impossible. Mm-hmm. She could have just been a queen. She could have just been, hey, look, I'm the best and I'm awesome and I'm a queen and I'm going to relish in being a queen but she didn't she she took it and she had strength behind behind her occupation and bravery to voice maybe I've been made for this time to protect my people maybe God had a purpose and so she wasn't concerned about her own name Mm -hmm. she wasn't even concerned about her own life she was very much concerned about making a name through her people for God Mm -hmm. like she valued her people because God valued her people I don't know. It made sense to me. Yeah. Well, it's risky. It is very risky. But like she went to the nth degree Mm -hmm. of not wanting to make a name for herself. We live in Twitter. We live Mm -hmm. in in branding. We live in blogging. We live in that. And so to take Esther's mentality all the way down to what we do, it has nothing to do with us. It has to be with what God is doing. It has to be more important with what he's doing with his people. Yeah. No, having a heart for the least of these, you know. Yeah. yeah, we can we can plow into Esther. She's the, her story is really great. I think I, she's a stud. I like yeah, her. I forget where we are. I think Charge Your Worth is next. Oh yeah, Charge Your Worth. I feel two ways about that. I feel like you should charge what you're worth, but I also think you there needs to be a humility in what your worth is. I agree, hundred percent. I think there's a fine line between saying I would never show up for less than yeah whatever X for yeah. a wedding, versus. I value what I do and I value my time. It's 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 the servant mentality versus the taker mentality. I'm gonna I think very much of myself, so I'm going to take what I can and I'm going mm-hmm. to demand what I'm mm-hmm. worth versus I'm gonna serve and I'm gonna evaluate. I don't know. There's yeah. there's right business and then there's pushover. There's a there's yeah. a fine line between the two of them. I think I've I think I've struggled in that because. When I first started, I didn't charge anything mm. because I didn't have any worth. Which is good to start, again, if you're listening and you're new at this, yeah. building your portfolio, there's no shame in that game. Yeah. Like, you should be doing that. And then I tried to figure out, you know, you have to, at least in photography, you have to figure out what the market is at because you don't want to undervalue the market, but you don't want to overvalue the market either, especially if you're not equipped or at the point in your career where you can be at the top of the market. Completely. So I think you have to have some wisdom. I think you have to be really honest with what you're producing. Some of that's a, you know, humility kind of heart check. I think it's good to have other people that are, that aren't relationally tied to you, people that you just respect in the industry that would be willing to give you their two cents and say like, I think you're probably in this range as mm-hmm. opposed to going to your best friend who's never going to say anything hard you're to you. You're worth a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. And even knowing your worth and value on a, on a humble level is really good because hopefully it would encourage you to do things that maybe are below your worth, let's say. Mm-hmm. You know? So I know you talked about photographing the family with all of the foster kids, foster kids, you know, too. it's like Jen has high worth and high value and 
she doesn't put that on display. It's like, I can just do this, you know. Um, I think that's really important. I think it's separating. Sometimes you have to separate businesswoman from servant. Totally. Like you just have to. Yeah. Because it's you're going to approach both of them differently. I'm going to approach right. somebody I don't know as a wedding client completely different from the foster family. I just right. You just have to. It's serving the one another's. And again, valuing what you do and valuing monetarily what you do to, to, to establish yourself as a business, right. but having an open hand and mm-hmm. not so tight-fisted, uh, I would never show up to a foster family care without charging X. Like, right. you have to let go of that and you right. have to leave room for the Holy Spirit to right. flick you. And I think we have to be very careful when we judge other people for what they do. Mm-hmm. I've seen, like, I've shot some, like, baptism stuff for other churches and I didn't I wasn't expecting payment if they had offered it I wouldn't have done it disturbing yeah yeah but I've seen other people do it and have said like what should I charge for this it'd be really easy for me to say like hey I've set this standard for me (laughs) I expect you to meet it it's so true you know so I think we have to be really careful on putting that standard on other people you can't put the Holy Spirit on other people you gotta leave room for them to do them yeah Yeah. and you know just because I'm not gonna do it doesn't mean that that's the right way to do it completely so yeah i like that cross judgment but so the hustle busyness culture is you've heard it said to hustle you've heard it said to stay busy it's so true no i'm so i have so much to say on this that i just told jen this morning i think we should do a whole hour or a whole podcast (laughs) on this yeah and i agree we'll digress more about this but i think to nutshell it i think is good yeah too for now yeah jesus became busier as his ministry grew and we see him retreating to time alone. He went in the opposite direction of demand and attention and profile. And that was super intentional. He wasn't running away from people and he wasn't avoiding them, but he definitely knew that he couldn't live there and that his power and strength was not going to be drawn on crowds of people. It was going to be drawn from the father. And so being quiet and withdrawing was a practice that he did that he modeled. And I think we have to be very good to we talked about that a little bit yep. last week in prayer and how he would step yep. away and he would be intentional with prayer even too. Yep. Not just stepping away to step away, but being intentional with why he was stepping mm-hmm. away. I had a random thought and I'm going to derail it a little bit because that's what I do. Yeah, but what do you... I'm sorry. <laughs> what Enneagram do you think Jesus would have been? <laughs> I yeah. really just thought that. Like, you know how some people are extroverts and, yeah. and introverts? Yeah. And like, I think... I'm not even going to go there. I was half joking when I said it in my head. But like the idea of needing to have time alone, the idea, I think everybody needs that regardless of whatever you are. But like a lot of people will default to introverts. Oh, they need their time alone. They Mm -hmm. need to have alone time to do that. But I think that it's a a discipline. Mm -hmm. I think that all of us need that. And then, yeah, counterculture, like you just said, Mm -hmm. we're told to hustle, be busy the entire time. And, when you're at the height, like Jesus was, mm-hmm. it's super rare that he would have pulled away. Like, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Philosophers say, first we make our choices, then our choices make us. Which I love and I hate because it's totally true. <laughs> <laughs> first we make our choices, then our choices make it. It's so true. Yep. So do we choose to allow margin and time away that is going to make us patient and slow? Or do we choose to constantly be busy and hustle, which is going to make us... But you do, you rushed. choose that. Like you absolutely, you do, choose it. You, do. you can't blame anybody else. And in the circumstance, no. you choose it. No, you hmm. can't live in the kingdom with a hurried soul. Jesus was slow and intentional with people. 
This is not to say that you can never hurry or be hurried. However, when this marks the pattern of your life, you may need to slow down and see what choices have you made. I think are... of Faith Herrera. She um, always says, failing to plan is planning to fail. And yeah. so when I think of hurried, I think of, I didn't plan this right. right. I did not plan my time accordingly. I did not plan my intentions accordingly. And so I am basically planning to fail. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. Like it's totally. Like, I am like, the queen of always being like, like literally on my report cards in elementary. Yeah. If she would just slow down, if she oh, would yeah. just stop yeah. being busy, like that literally yeah. is the story of my life. So that have you? This is sort of related, but I can't get my mind, which means it's making me laugh, and I have to talk about it. Have you ever seen that movie, Meet the Robinsons? Yeah. Okay, we love that movie in our That's house. A good one. It's yeah. very underrated, but we love it. I was just thinking, I don't know why this even popped into my head. I was just thinking of the scene. So Goob like has the time machine and he decides to go back and get the Tyrannosaurus Rex and he brings him into the future. And every time he does something, people are like, I don't think you thought this through. <laughs> really? Like, um, Bringing the T-Rex to the future. This like little arms. Sure, can't reach him. Arms. Yeah, I thought this through. Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, it's funny too that we've made slow a pejorative term like the service was slow oh she's kind of slow you mm. know fast is good quick is better it's funny Matt is more Matt and Maddie like mm. Matt, me and Micah always make fun of Matt and Maddie just in our family because <laughs> they are the turtles and Micah uh, and I are the, are the rabbits yeah. so like in the tortoise and the hare uh-huh. we are the hares and so nine times out of ten if I slow down and I keep Matt's pace, I'm thorough. Yeah. I get things done the right way. I am I am not stressed out and it's it's done well. And so yeah. I have to laugh at me and Mike and be like, Maybe we don't maybe, maybe. we're not the best yeah, ones. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found a quote that I don't know where I got it from. But he said, choosing to love an unhurried life in our day is somewhat like taking a vow of poverty in earlier centuries. It's scary. It's an act of faith. But there are deeper riches on the other side. So you've experienced that. You've stepped out of faith to do something hard and slow down. And you've experienced that. Being intentional. Yeah. yeah. Went to Joshua twenty four thirteen because a lot of hustling and a lot of being busy is all in our own strength. And it's not relying on God's strength. And mm. it's not being dependent on him and his timing it's me rolling up my sleeve and forcing something to happen and so in joshua 24 13 he says i gave you a land on which you had not labored in cities that you had not built and you dwell in them you eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant and so the idea of resting in god and not being a hustler is trusting in god's timing and realizing that Good things come from him. Life mm-hmm. comes from him. And so I said, God does the work for us. Our flesh wants to rely, rely on its hustle, but prayer and time in the word reminds me that it is God, not me, who produces success through my endeavors. There are times when he calls us to hustle, and there are times when he calls us to be still and watch him do the work. Prayer and being in tune with the Holy Spirit is critical to discerning what he is calling me to do. Yeah, and then again, in Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18 says, My Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. And I, I mm-hmm. just, at the end of the day, when I re- rely solely on hustling without trusting God or seeking his wisdom, his power, his ability, we are either trying to play God or steal his glory, either of which leads to restlessness and soul not rightless. Like yeah. when I think of love the Lord God with your heart, mind, soul, mm-hmm. and strength, my soul is not right when I am right. hustling yeah. in my own strength. Yeah, it's like... We're robbing God of what's due him and 
when he's shown us goodness and graciousness and been generous with gifts and time and talent. When I think of like robbing his, we're either trying to play God or steal his glory. When I think of how you define glory as weight, yeah, and we're not meant to carry that weight. We're not meant to 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 shoulder his glory. We're Mm -hmm. not meant to to take to be God. Like he's God, right? But we believe the lie that we are, and we do want it, and so we reach for it. Which the world tells us that we are our own God. We we can do that. Mm Proverbs 16.3 says to commit your plans to the Lord and he will establish them. So before I hustle, I have to lay my plans before him and trust in the spirit to lead me. And Mm -hmm. then I I can't grind it to death, but I need to take time to rest. When we hustle and fail to recognize God as our ultimate provider, we are essentially trying to save ourselves, trying to prove to the world that I don't need a savior, that I can accomplish anything I set my mind to in my own strength. And that's the opposite of... I went off on scripture. <laughs> Isaiah 41.10, Deuteronomy 41.6, Exodus 15.2, Philippians 4.13, which mm-hmm. is everyone goes to. I can do mm-hmm. um, and to, all things through strength in him, which is taken out of context a ton. Mm-hmm. But the idea that I don't need a savior, I can do this right. and just do it. And right. the world is very loud, especially for me to be a hustler and to be a rabbit and to be not a tortoise in, in the world and, and to be dependent on him. And mm-hmm. so it takes conscious effort for me to slow down and yeah. to be dependent on him. I think some of the tension though is that there are people that are very successful that do all these things and it is good and it is successful and they don't believe anything the Bible has to say. Completely. And so I feel like that's some of the tension that we rest in when uh, we think about like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I'm going to go back to that heart, mind, soul, and strength. Those yeah. people who are successful in doing the rabbit ears, mm. successful, I wonder about their soul. I wonder yeah. about their heart. And I wonder, like, I know several people who are incredibly successful at what they do, and they're really good at what they do, and they give a flip about taking Sunday as a rest day mm-hmm. and giving honor to God with that. God doesn't say he's not going to let them be successful. Right. But the soul thing and the whole heart, mind, soul, strength, I just feel like at some point it's going to tax out and we were not mm-hmm. designed to be that way. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, I think that is the hope. God uses all thing, all different kinds of things to draw people. And I feel like immeasurable success can be something that's found hollow. And so you have people wanting to find like a deeper meaning. But, it's like the rich man yeah. when Jesus was talking to the rich man and he's like, I've done everything right. And then look at me, I've done right. And then he gets, Jesus looks at him and he says, cool, go sell all you have and come follow me. He exposed his heart, exposed to the idols of, no, this is mine. And I worked for this mm-hmm. and I can't walk away from it. Mm-hmm. And so his soul wasn't right. His heart wasn't right. It wasn't, in tune with God it wasn't Jesus's Mm -hmm. so I don't know I feel like eventually it'll expose you yeah hopefully yeah (laughs) maybe maybe not yeah maybe maybe not the side of heaven maybe not until you get to heaven I don't know but I feel like if God says that there's a way to do it he's pretty clear through Isaiah Deuteronomy Joshua Mm -hmm. all these things Mm -hmm. I think that there is right and there is good in living how he says to live totally even when the world might give honor and and riches and glory to somebody who isn't doing it God's way mm-hmm. in the end it's just not how you're designed like, like I firmly believe that God says we're supposed to live a certain way totally yeah I mean Jesus came to yeah. be the perfect human that yeah. humanity needed yeah yeah I went on uh one more you've heard it said that Sunday kind of going off of what we just were talking Sunday is rest like mm-hmm. believers say that the, but the rest of the week 
is for me and my business and my hustle and my yeah. what so my business doesn't have to have spiritual meaning and I I don't see a need for it. That's for Sundays. Mm-hmm. Like separating Sundays from Monday through Saturday. And so I don't agree with that, obviously. Yeah. Tim Keller said it better than I did, but he said if lay people cannot find any spiritual meaning in their work, they're condemned to leave living a certain dual life, not connecting what they do on Sunday morning with what they do the rest of the week. The need to discover that the very actions of daily life are spiritual and enable people to touch God in the world, not away from it. I love that because Mm -hmm. that duality that we've talked about before, I just, he hammers it home right there. I went on and, and I quoted Matthew, again, love the Lord God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But if all business professions, vocations are fundamental living out, love your neighbor as yourself, you have the opportunity to love God through loving those that you come in contact with for work. Mm-hmm. His business is your business. Mm-hmm. So whether or not I am working on a Monday or a Sunday, it shouldn't matter because I am looking to love my neighbor as myself. All work at that point. It's not just a Sunday I show up and I play the piano for church. It's Monday too when I pick up my camera and I'm going to work with the mm-hmm. client. It's giving it's giving perspective back to it's God's work that he's given me to do. Yeah, I've- I feel like some of the individualism in our society plays into this, that every part of our life can be compartmentalized, including Sunday and worship, which is why I think people in the workplace have a hard time when you say that you're a Christian and that you go to church on Sunday or, you know, whatever that looks like, but then you act like everybody else, Mm. you know, and that's the dualism that I think that Keller's getting at and that we see and that if we believe and understand that we're actually part of a bigger story, it makes our story very small and we want to live into the humanity that Jesus has called us into and modeled for us. And it's just a, it's a better way of life. Jesus came to bring life and bring it abundantly. And when we just retreat to our own corner of, I don't know, selfishness or selfish ambition, it's just so, it's so minimal compared to the life and the experiences that we can have when we live into think the way that God has called us to live I think that's the hardest thing when I'm trying to describe the get-to of working and having and having Jesus's mentality when I do work there's almost like this separation of there's no joy in doing life that Mm. way there's no reward in doing life that way and the deep joy that I have when I'm not leading a dual life when I whether I have the freedom to see and love people the way that Jesus has given me because he's taken away my selfishness mm-hmm. and given me a right perspective that is so much better than any temporary reward mm-hmm. or monetary reward I would get. I don't know, there's a whole lot more value in six figures and in, I don't know, accomplishing things on your own. Mm-hmm. There's more value in that there is than there is in the joy and the rightness of me living out the way that God has made me to live and the the fulfillment that I feel in living that way. Hmm. There's to me that's more weighty and more valuable than temporary six figures, temporary whatever right. the world says yeah. is the reward. Yeah, which is seductive. I mean six figures. No way it's completely is, but and it, it would be super fun to live in whatever totally. that world is. But like the soul rightness of doing living holistically is better to me. Yeah. I, I think I would choose that still if it meant that it was right and I was right with right. God with with living life the way that I knew he intended me to live. Right. Yeah, so Paul Miller has a um, great little book on the J-curve. Mm. Have you ever read that? No, but you've talked to me about yeah. it before and I think it'd be cool to talk yeah. about it. So we'll have to um, 
I think I have an illustration of it. It's not super hard. It's literally a J. (laughs) We'll have to put (laughs) that up. But this has been super helpful for me when I think about my own life and even like helping people see things in their lives as a way. Um, So essentially, the J curve is this idea that if you picture a capital J, so at the top of the curve, the J, is kind of where you are. And when we spend our life striving up, like grabbing for and fighting for all of these things that we want to elevate ourselves, we end up falling. We end up dying. Mark 8 says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And so the J curve is this idea that you lay down your life. And then through that death, through the dying to yourself, that you will be raised and you will f- actually find life. I think about like a friend of mine who was struggling in her marriage and she was saying how, you know, I tell him he has to, he should be coming to church with us. And, you know, it's just all of this instruction on the things that everything that he should be doing, which basically he's hearing all the way that he's failing. I mean, I get that she's meaning it to be encouraging and helpful, but he's not hearing it that way. And I was telling her, I I really feel feel like this is you striving and reaching for your life. If Mm. your husband would just X, you will find happiness. And what you're finding is that's not happening. And so you're experiencing the death of losing your life. But if you lay down your life for your husband, you're kind and passive if he doesn't want to go to church. You're loving even when he doesn't want to be helpful. All of those things. Because you're not looking for life in what your husband's going to do, instead you're laying it down, literally it feels like death, Jesus will meet you in that and find your encouragement there. It's just a total opposite way of the world, you know. And it does, I mean, I can't reiterate enough, like, it feels like death. When somebody is being mean or aggressive towards you and you want to reach up and come to their level and like bow up over that for the sake of your life or your, you know, you can exchange the word life or reputation or influence or whatever you want. You will lose it. You mm. will, it, it will not deliver. But when you actually set yourself aside, when you allow that to die off in you and it feels painful, I mean, death is not just a metaphor, no. you know, it does feel that way. But then you realize that your assurance and all of those things that you're looking for are actually found in Christ. Then you get actual salvation, actual up the J curve. Which is so hard. And like, again, the world is really loud and it seems easier their way. But like what you just described to me is holistically better. It's just better. And, And resting in that and... And believing that, like right. not just saying it and not saying right. Christianese words that like, right. if you do this, then this will come, yeah. and but like experiencing it and believing yeah. it. And it doesn't all, I mean, the rest, the restorative part of that equation and the life isn't always found immediately right away, No, you know, and I think that the instant gratification you know. We're conditioned to, totally. oh, this doesn't work within this week, I'm quitting, right. I'm not going to do it this way anymore. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to say on well, I feel this way, so I should just be able to say it. And, you know, we are definitely living more by the things that we feel as opposed to being reined in actually by the things that are true and the things that we think. Um, Being led by your emotions rarely pans out. Yeah, well, that goes very much into your, why are you doing the things that you are doing? Why are you responding to your husband that way? Is Mm -hmm. it because you truly believe that what Jesus says is true and good Mm -hmm. and better? 
or are you doing it just to be obedient? I don't feel like you're ever going to find fulfillment until your why is grounded in in Jesus and seeing it as being best mm-hmm. and seeing it as, as it being better than what the world has to offer. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, for the Christian, I think when you understand that you are invited to live in a new humanity and that you get to be a foretaste of what it will be like to live in the kingdom, it's a much richer way of thinking about your life than just saying like, well, someday when I die, I get to go to heaven. It's like, I just, I feel like there's a richer element to our humanity I when agree. we understand that we're actually telling the story of the good news of what it's like to be in the kingdom and how it, you know, how life functions there. And I think that's part of the reason of why this podcast, we want to encourage each other in this conversation yeah. that we're having face to face, but also encourage the people that are listening to it, that there is better, there is richer, mm-hmm. there is and it's clearly described in, in scripture and through the Holy Spirit. And so I feel like this is maybe an encouragement that, hey, there's more, there's better, there's richer. Yeah. And we're struggling in there with you. Yeah, no, like, it's not <laughs> like we've got to figure it out. No. We sure as heck yeah. don't. Yeah. But yeah. So another thing I feel like is this idea of perfectionism. I don't know that necessarily the world is shouting that you should be perfect, but it kind of is. It's mm. very like passive aggressive. Especially on social media. Yeah. Like, if, you, if you're not aesthetically... Yeah perfect <laughs> i love that literally everybody knows what the word aesthetic it means it's now. totally in the last totally. 10 years everyone yeah. knows what the word is but yeah. the idea of perfection and yeah. the idea of image and yep. sometimes your house is messy like i'm looking at me right now <laughs> in sweatpants <laughs> and socks and burks and a sweatshirt i have no makeup on and my hair is in a pony <laughs> and someone are talking and it's yeah. okay it's okay it is okay because <laughs> it's not it's not what matters right so yeah, yeah. There's a great quote by Gordon Smith. He says, Perfectionism is a misguided pursuit of excellence. A genuine love of excellence is rooted in a conviction that God deserves our best and that other people deserve nothing less. But a perfectionist is self-centered. Rather than delighting in the work well done for the sake of others, they are consumed with with themselves and their own performance. Rather than working joyfully with others, they are demanding and uncompromising incapable of accepting the miscues of others. The genuine love of excellence is rooted in a desire to serve well. Further, because it comes from the hand of God, we offer it back to God as our act of thankful worship. That's rich. And as a self-proclaimed perfectionist, I'm like, oh, I got to have better language for that, I guess. It's funny because I can, like, we've all worked with those people, like on projects that are just like, it's not good enough. Like, it's perfect. No, it's not perfect. And so, yeah, I just. This gave me really good handlebars to go like, it's a misguided pursuit of excellence. It's true. Is a really good way of reframing that. It's not wrong to want to Mm -mm. do something well done or be excellent. You should. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. But this rooted in, what does he say? Rooted in a conviction that God deserves our best, but perfectionist is self-centered rather than delighting in the work well done for the sake of others. They're mm. consumed with themselves. It's like, this work is reflecting me, so it needs to be amazing, yeah. <laughs> right? As opposed to like, this work is excellent and it's loving my neighbor really well. It's blessing them. It's the heartbeat behind it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a complete mind shift. It's just a total different mind shift. It's just a lens of which I think is helpful to look through. Mm. Yep. I would agree with there's a mind shift between excellence and perfection. But I think Tim Keller kind of hit it home a little bit when he talked about the ministry of competence 
And yeah. we've talked a little bit about that before. And like, if you're going to do something, make sure you do it well. But he says, if we choose work we can't do well, that's a poor reflection on God, whose character we are called to image to the world. Likewise, in order to love our neighbor through our work, we must be competent in our chosen field. There's a yeah. there's a story. Yeah, you run across this, I think, a lot in churches of people who are super passionate about doing things, but they're not necessarily competent at what they're sure. doing. And so there's a this illustration that somebody wrote. I didn't write it. Defining passion as I feel called or passionate mm. to do this one thing that God wants me to do. But a, a person or a woman feels called or passionate to sing on the stage with the worship team. And the worship leader lets her, even though he knows she can't carry a tune, she stands on stage and the sound team turns off her microphone so nobody can hear her <laughs> rather than lovingly being redirected to an activity in the church where mm-hmm. she can actually be of service to others. The woman spends years singing her heart out, serving only herself and her passion. Mm. I like that in regards to your excellence versus perfection because even if you think that like uh, on the flip side of somebody who's a perfectionist, you have somebody who's just passionate Right. But isn't excellent at what they're doing. It's the same thing if it's only serving yourself or the thing that you feel like you want to show off to the world because I'm supposed to sing. But right. you can't sing. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. You're not a service to others at that point. Yeah, when you're really wanting to serve other people, sometimes it just feels like I just want to do the things that are really showy. Like Yeah. So part of my job at our church is like we help people connect into small groups and serving and in the six years I've been in that role, I have yet to have somebody come up to me and say, I feel really passionate about replacing urinal cakes. Can I serve <laughs> the facility? Or I even go one more than that. I feel really passionate about being on the prayer team. I yeah. want to, I want to meet on a Wednesday. <laughs> and just well, no, there are a few of those few, but, few. but still janitorial and, yeah. and like the not see them jobs. Yeah. I feel like nobody really I know. signs up for those. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Dorothy Sayers is a woman who I have yet to read her book, but I hear her quotes all the time, and I, she fascinates me. But the church, she said this: the church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him not to be drunk and disorderly in his leisure <laughs> hours, and to come to church on Sundays. Of course, you got to come to church on Sundays. What the church should be telling him is this: that the very first demand that his religion or his occupation makes upon him is that he should make excellent tables. If you're going to call yourself any occupation, any kind of vocation, you should aim at being good at it, not yeah. just coasting through it. Like you should be excellent at it. There's a balance between perfectionism and excellence, but you right. should be aiming at being competent in whatever you feel right. like God has given you. Yeah. I guess maybe that comes into the, like the 10,000 hours of mastery mm-hmm. and that's at play and I think excellent is going to be defined by different people. Yep. Like Jen and I are both photographers, but we're excellent in doing things differently. Yeah. You, you know. still have your own unique voice. Yep. But I would say both of us are excellent, just different different styles, different yeah. whatever that it is. The same with any other vocation. It's right. it's yeah, it's aiming at being good at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It just has have different faces on it. Yeah. Maybe that's where it gets a little muddy is that yeah. if somebody feels like this is the standard of excellence for whatever and if you can't reach it then you quit even though you you are excellent or you are really good or whatever language you want to use there you know what i'm saying yeah and i think that again it goes with disciplining and and if you're passionate about something you're going to be putting the time and the energy and the effort right. to work at it so that's right. ten thousand hours yeah and i think that if you feel called to that, you should see it out to that 10,000 right. hours to see the other side of it. Right. And I feel like God gives the drive and the yeah. and the chase for that. 
yeah, I feel like in my own personal life, there's a lot of things that I have to work really hard at because I do feel very passionate about them and I have to continue to learn and push and educate. There are other things that I'm like, oh, I really want to do that and that'd be great. I don't know mm. if, you know, I don't know if the archery thing's going to pan out for me. <laughs> You're going to be married. But it's going to happen. It's true. I, but I also know it's going to take a lot of time and I'm like, I, I like the idea and I think it'd be fun and great. But it's not like I'm so passionate about it. I'm chasing that. So I think there's different levels of it, too. It's not everything is all or nothing. The quote, um, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Yeah. Comes to my, my mom totally. used to say that That's a growing good up. Yeah, because like, I love everything. Like, I, I just yeah. do. Well, yeah. And you can do anything. But yeah. you, in order to be excellent at something, mm-hmm. you just don't have that much time and energy in the day to pursue it. Right. Which... Again, I, I wrote out a couple of questions that if you're wondering of your giftedness or talentedness, and again, like you're not going to be perfect at this, you're not going to be good at it, but you have this passion right. towards something. The first question that you should ask is, what am I passionate about and why am I passionate about it? Second question, what gifts has God given me and have they been validated by others? That's kind of critical. I have one more question, but the validated mm-hmm. by others that woman who stood on stage and who was a singer who yeah. had no couldn't carry a tune wasn't validated by anybody else and nobody told her and right. so being again less tight-fisted over something that you're passionate about holding it loosely and letting other people kind of speak into your life a little bit i think is important and then three where do i have the greatest opportunity to love others yeah it's just that those three questions i feel like have to be asked when you're wondering at your passion when you're wondering at what your vocation that you want to chase or whatever your talented and giftedness I feel like those three questions Mm -hmm. have helped me kind of clear out I want to do anything but should I be doing everything so I think you should answer one of those yeah well what am I passionate about and why I think (laughs) we've been talking about it all day (laughs) with this podcast I'm passionate about this podcast Mm -hmm. and so outside looking in you could look at however 170 followers we have on Instagram and however many hundred people have listened to this on SoundCloud because we can see how many people is it worth it and I would say yes because we've been kind of hashing out I have a strong burden and a strong um, passion that I feel like has been given for God to encourage other people yeah and I feel like this has been that I've had texts, I've had emails, I've had face-to-face conversations with people, so that validation, whatever, saying how it's encouraging, just because we're talking about these things. That's it. All we're doing is being obedient to being a voice and talking about this, Mm -hmm. but I'm passionate about encouraging people, and this is just another avenue that I feel like I've been lacking in, in it, like whatever encouragement to be a creative yeah. I'm I'm thankful I get to talk this out with you. I'm thankful I get to encourage other people just by speaking these thoughts. Yep. So this podcast, by the world standards, no, I shouldn't be doing this. By God's standards and by the validation of mm-hmm. other people, definitely should yeah. be doing this right now. Yeah. You answer one of the questions. So I feel really passionate about being an encouragement to other people. I know what that means to me, and I think that's really important. Um, I love talking about all the things that we talk about that's mm-hmm. a huge drive for me I love trying to integrate faith and Bible into this conversation which has been super good there's a lot of tensions there and how does this connect I know that all things can be discussed through a lens of faith and sometimes that's challenging but I like a challenge so I, I like think that's good really good too. I feel like the the idea of 
integrating your faith to these conversations mm-hmm. and what scripture says. I just feel like, again, when I describe you to people, I flick you and, <laughs> and God's stuff comes mm-hmm. out. His word comes out. And it's just, that's to me is weightier encouragement. Mm-hmm. That's encouragement with depth. That's yeah. encouragement with, with feet attached to mm-hmm. it. It's not just, hey, you can do it, but yeah. it's, hey, you can do it because God says mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Well, so thank you. Welcome. A lot of this conversation, I was on Facebook or something, and I saw this, and I just thought, this is, this is exactly what we say when the culture is loud and noisy. Um, obviously, I'm not dropping names. I don't even remember who it was, to be honest. But she wrote, I lead the life I want to live. I give to others with healthy boundaries for myself. I'm selfish in ways that empowers who I am and the things I want without hurting anyone else. She goes on to say, these are the affirmations to live by. This is the confidence to embrace. You deserve to be encouraged, empowered, and successful. There's so much not gospel that I just I can't handle I, all of that. Yeah, I was really struggling with the, I lead the life I want to live. Okay, I can, I can give some latitude there. Even as a Christian, I can kind of, you know, I can nuance that or whatever. The giving to others with healthy boundaries to myself. Okay, just so you know, I'm usually the optimist. And so that's, I'm going to play the optimist in this too. I understand that giving yourself away without boundary can be detrimental. Yeah, you just, you turn into a a doormat. Right, and obviously that isn't great. But because of everything else she says, I feel like this implies I will just give to myself until it's sacrificial, which I would I would argue is actually selfish and not quote like a boundary. I'm selfish in ways that empowers who I am. I think all self-empowerment is selfish. So that feels a little bit reiterating. I don't know. It just, that I whole thing. Like, was... I feel like if you, if you, if you take away the, I, like if, if I read this differently, huh. I lead the life that Jesus wants me to live period. Yep. I give to others because Jesus gave everything <laughs> for me. Yeah. For me. I am not going to be selfish in my empowerment because I know that all things come from God. These are, these are the affirm- these are the things I stand at because God said so. This is the confidence to embrace because God gave me this confidence. Yep. I don't I, I do not deserve anything, but I'm shown grace yep. and I am encouraged and I am empowered and I find success in the way that God has given me yeah. success. I feel like you have to twist it. <laughs> totally. Like it's completely like not right. scripturally based at all. Right. But it is. That's, the world says that, and and to love yourself and to it's like you was kind, you was strong, you was important. Like whatever mm-hmm. that is, times infinity. That statement. It's pretty bold and pretty amazing. Yeah. I'm gonna step away from that woman and let the lightning bolt hit where it's gonna hit because that feels very strong <laughs> yeah. and very. Yeah, I was just trying to find myopic. something that was um, loud, maybe a little all encompassing. Yeah. Like that is very loud. Yeah. I see kind of that stuff. Regularly and you don't and see it, and you don't see it to that nth degree. I don't not think, necessarily, but it's mm-hmm. in there. And unless we're unless we're filtering it through God's right. lens and through what Jesus says, yeah, that's the path that all of us would naturally want to take, right? Because we yeah. are. And there's a flesh in me that's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, no, I should be, I should be setting up more boundaries. Anyway, I don't want to rip on her too much, no, but I, I thought it's it was not ripping her. But it's it's very clear that that is. That's the that's the battle that I feel like mm-hmm. we hit. Like when we talk about a richer, fuller life, mm-hmm. that to me doesn't lead to a richer, fuller life. That to me lives leads to a very golem life, mm-hmm. like very my precious life. So, yeah, hmm. totally. Okay, yeah, totally. So next week we're gonna get into 
creative life and work life. Right. Balancing the idea of balancing regular life with your creative life and how to live holistically, like mm-hmm. all encompassing. Yeah. What does that look like? Balance. Not that we haven't figured out, but we're gonna no, try to describe we'll just it. Talk about all the ways that we've struggled through that. Yeah, because I'm, I have two. I guess two different things. I have the photography business side, and then I have my job side. Completely. So. Well, we've lived through the the photography side work side with raising baby side yep. so like trying to integrate oh, yeah. those so i feel like we have a lot to talk about with yeah. that so Great. thanks for joining us today see ya yeah cheers on the reach okay Ooh. screwed that up but then i got uh, okay edit all that we edit everything <laughs> out <laughs> i think it never you, happened I you didn't uh, see anything yeah okay Pregnant pause. Yeah, <laughs> take that out. <laughs>